Welcome. Happy New Year. Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, seven of you. Good. I'm glad to be here. I'll make eight. <clears throat> I'm a little less glad. I just had a friend text me, uh, like, what is it, like four minutes ago from the Florida Keys with a picture of blue water, blue sky saying, joining you for worship this morning. <clears throat> is, that, is that a friend or are they rubbing that in that I'm here and they're in the Keys? Yeah, I think we all know the answer to that, right? All right, so actually, uh, I am glad that you're here, and for the South Auditorium here, uh, I stood in the back thinking, I can't wait in 2021 where I can teach 2 Corinthians 3.18, which you know what that says, right? But we all with unveiled faces, that's, that's what it says, and maybe in 2021, we'll be able to do that, Yes? I don't know if you're smiling or scowling about that right now, but here's what we're going to do today. Uh, I promised in 2020 we were going to do Ephesians in 2021, and we will, beginning next week. But I, I wanted to take it this Sunday and simply give our attention to what I think New Year's is often about, not so much resolutions, but a time where we can gain, I'll try this one more time, yeah, perspective, where we can gain perspective. Perspective is simply how you see things, right? Maybe if as an adult you went back to a place where you grew up and you started looking around, and one of the things you said, I bet you lots of you said this, was, I remember it being so much bigger. Yeah, bigger. It's like, but it hadn't changed. You changed. Everything looked bigger. It always reminds me when I see a little child and a dog come running up to them, and I think, well, it's only knee high, but to them, it'd be like a cow running full speed at me. And then it helps me understand kids being afraid of dogs because if a cow ran full speed at you and then jumped to put up its hood, that would freak you out, yes? It's about perspective. And sometimes it's just not about size, perspective's about proximity. It's been sobering through the year to recognize that the proximity of COVID to people often impacts what they really think about it. Those who have had someone up close and personal die to COVID see it differently to the person who hasn't had anybody really close to them experience anything but mild symptoms. Perspective changes by proximity. But I think the greatest impact on perspective is this, time. Our perspective is most impacted by time. Case in point, to be overly dramatic, if you knew this was your last day alive, that would dramatically change your perspective and how you live today, right? You would care less, even if you're a rabid Jaguar fan, who they're going to draft if this was your last day alive. You probably wouldn't turn on the TV. It might impact what you eat, who you talk to, what you say, what you don't say, right? Nothing impacts perspective like time. So you may go, wow, happy new year. Uh, let's talk about death and our last day alive. No, let's talk about timing and how it ought to change how we view things. That's 
perspective. And it's often most impacted by how we see the time. So Peter's going to give to us, 1 Peter, a time statement and some therefores. He's going to give us perspective in regard to time and then say, here's how that ought to impact us. 1 Peter 4, uh, beginning verse 7, says this, the end of all things is what? Near. Say it again. The end of all things is near. Therefore, now, would you agree with me that the therefore is totally dependent upon what you believe about near? Yeah? Yeah. My perspective is radically impacted by whether I believe, really believe, don't believe the timing issue. That the end of all things is near. If we believe that, it radically impacts us. So do you believe the end of all things? Well, first, what's he mean by the end of all things? Now, he writes a second letter. In his second letter, Peter writes, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So, never a flood again, but there will be an all-consuming, earth-consuming fire. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, he, he says again in this letter, what he says in the first letter, what sort of people ought you to be? Timing impacts how we live. What we think about the end ought to dramatically impact our now, correct? And what we believe about how near it is. You with me? So, here's the dilemma I have often lived with with this verse. Peter writes, the end of all things is near a couple thousand years ago. Would you consider that near? I could tell you're like, I feel like I'm getting set up here. I'll just stay silent on this one. No, really, would you consider a couple thousands near? No, I don't think you can think a couple thousand years near. So when he says that, because I don't know about you, but my firm conviction is the scripture always speaks the truth. I ask myself, all right, what is true about this statement? The end of all things is near. That should so radically impact my perspective. Well, first, how near is the end? It is more near than it was yesterday. Correct? Yeah, my, my wife often very positively says, Doug, we're as young as we're ever going to be. Does that make you feel better? No, it doesn't, but it does give perspective. See, sometimes we hear truth and we go, la, 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 la. Why? Because we don't want to hear truth. But the reality is, we're not getting any younger. The end isn't getting further away. The end is more near than it was yesterday. 
that ought to impact our perspective, how we see this life. It's more near than it was yesterday. It's always near because tomorrow is never guaranteed. That's sobering. And intentionally so. There's a big difference between depressing and sobering. That doesn't depress me that I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, but it does sober me to go, I should not take for granted today because today may be my last day. It gives me perspective. And it's very near in comparison to eternity. See, in reality, perspective is almost a compare is almost always a comparison thing. Right? I'm short when I stand beside some people and I'm tall when I stand beside other people. Right? Yes. You don't want to agree that I'm tall if I just say, yeah, uh, sometimes I'm tall. Most times I'm short, but it's really about comparison. So with that in mind, give me a yes or no. Is five minutes a long time? If you're underwater. Ah, if it's, hey, let's go fishing for five minutes. No, that's, that's too short. But if it's underwater, Without a mask, without a snorkel, that's too long. So when we talk about the end is near, it all depends what we are comparing it to. And one of the most important, maybe the most important object we compare our time to is Eternity. This is really why New Year's is a good time. Because it asks, it gives you an opportunity, because you and I probably wouldn't do this unless we had some cycles where we came back and said, it's, it, it's time for me to look again about time and how I'm living it in comparison to what? Eternity. Because it's easy, really easy to lose sight of eternity. My daughter, Christy, gave me a Christmas present with an apology. She said, Dad, I really want to give this to you. You're going to hate it and you're going to think it's like homework, but I want you to have this. So that's a great way to open a Christmas present. Merry Christmas. You're going to hate it. So I I open it up and she's kind of laughing the whole time apologetically. And it is a journal for me to, to write stuff down. But it takes me through my life. In other words, she said, there's things that I think if you will, it's a journal filled with questions by which it's not one of those where you write an autobiography, but it, it kind of tells your story. And it is a bit of homework. But really pretty valuable. I, I'm trusting she's not listening 
to this because I don't want her to think it's valuable. I want her to think it was a bad gift. <laughs> but the opening chapter is zero through two. Well, what do you and I remember about zero through two? Zero. So I, my dad's no longer alive, so I called my mom. I said, I'm doing this Christmas assignment, and uh, tell me about my birth. And tell me what was happening in your life when I was born. And you know what I got? I got some real perspective from my mom. Not about so much about my life, but about her life. I got some laughter and I got some tears. About the first two years that I don't know anything about. My point, friends, simply is this. The older we get, the more cynical we can grow about resolutions. And I'm all right with that. What I'm not all right with is us getting comfortable with missing the opportunity to reset biblical perspective. And biblical perspective lives on this statement. The end of all things is near. Now, I can't, and it's really not my job to convince you of that. I can't convince you of that. I've simply given you a a couple of ways to understand how, though it seems like it hadn't been near since he he wrote it, it, it's still true. But if you will believe what the scripture says about time, as it relates to yesterday, as it relates to tomorrow, and as it relates to eternity, if you'll believe it, it'll change how we live 2021 in some very significant ways. In fact, what Peter writes is simply because this statement is true about time, here's how it ought to impact your life. The psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. There's a contemporary expression that goes the exact opposite direction. What is it? YOLO. You only live once. And what's that usually the justification for? Doing something stupid. Right? People talk about doing something stupid and then as if to justify it, YOLO. Actually, biblically, folks, so let's be biblically, it is true. So what? Live wise, not stupid. It's not a justification for doing stupid things. It's a foundation for saying, let me live with a heart of wisdom. Let me engage in 2021 with wisdom because I've recognized I'm closer to the end than I was yesterday. I'm not sure I'm going to get tomorrow. And in comparison to eternity, if I live the full 90 years, my 90 years were like that. Faster than that. So let me live with wisdom in these three ways. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. 
the end of all things is near ought to have its first impact on what? How we pray. That we would pray urgently. He says, with a sound judgment and sober spirit. In other words, timing, if the end is near, it helps me to think more clearly and more soberly about the remaining time, which ought to impact, what am I praying about? So let me make this super simple for you. I hope you have something to write with, even if it's to write on your phone, because that you will probably always have with you. If you really believed 2021 was your last year, what would you pray about? I want you to take a few seconds and literally write down. If I was clear on that the end is near, what would I pray about? It's funny how things like that change. Sunny days, rainy days don't matter as much. Not that that's wrong. What would you, if this was your last year, what would you pray about? Or if that's too long for you, if this was your last week? If you had seven more days, what would you pray about? I think that's so helpful to think about. What would you pray about? Go ahead, write it down. Here's why I wanted you to write that down. Sometimes there are so many things to pray about, we don't pray about anything. It's just, if I start, I can never really feel good about stopping because there's so much. So this helps shrink the list, if you will. Seems funny that it would lengthen the list. Now, I think it shrinks the list. So I don't know what you wrote down. Here's what I wrote down. If I really believe the end is near, my prayers would begin with my readiness to meet God. I don't think that's unusual. Maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, I should have written that down. But what happens to so many people on their quote unquote deathbed? They begin to think the long thoughts of eternity. They begin to go, am I prepared for what's after this physical life? Your readiness to meet God. You ready? If you're not certain about that, that would then rise to the very top of a prayer list. Because sobriety causes me to go, hmm, what's next and am I ready? Maybe you wrote other people's, and you had some specific people in mind, other people's readiness to meet God. 
You might have written down a family member or a loved one who doesn't know the Lord. And if you're like, I've got seven days, the thing I'm praying about is, Lord, open their eyes so that they might believe and be born again, that they would not perish into everlasting torment and punishment, that they would believe and live for eternity. Maybe you wrote down, this was the third thing I wrote down. First, my readiness. Second, other people's readiness to meet God. Third was, uh, how do I, God, maximize my remaining days? Not foolishly. How do I maximize it? And and sometimes that can be super serious and sometimes that might be just... (laughs) who do I talk to and who do I do what with and what do I actually do? Are there any conversations that... That was the remote Velcro to the back of the TV in case you ever wanted to know. It was like a mic drop, but a remote drop. See... It's easy to think we have lots of days and not maximize them. I um, obviously had planned this message long before yesterday, but my friend Wayne over here, he's the guy that I get to hit tennis with on a weekly basis. And Wayne's dad died two weeks ago today. What's that? One week ago. So yeah, just last week. And um, so went to graveside yesterday. And I was taken back. I don't know that I've ever been to a funeral uh, in my adult life of a man named Douglas. And his dad's name was Douglas. And it was just kind of that sobering reality here, the preacher continue to talk about Douglas here in the casket and Douglas is meeting the Lord. And I was like, it made it actually pretty personal. But the other thing I was really sobered about, and I told Jackie about this and some other friends, um, we played tennis together for a lot of years And I didn't know his dad's name was Douglas. And I didn't know some other things about his dad. And I was was sad that we had spent time together, but there were some conversations that, kind of base conversations I felt like I had not had. So I apologize, friend. It's just things that... And so, I joked earlier, for the record, my daughter's gift's a great gift. Because the end is near. And we ought to be asking, praying about, Lord, what's, what's the best way to use each day? The answer to that prayer, I think, is 
in the next verse for the purpose of prayer. He then says, next verse Peter does, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. So I'm going to be sober and sound judgment for prayer. Prayer, Lord, how do I maximize my days? Well, keep fervent in your love for one another. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins and be hospitable to one another without complaint. So when I, to the degree that I believe the end is near, what will I do? I'll pray urgently. And I'll love fervently, straight out of the text. See, this is the beauty of scripture. I don't need to have to think about what would be good, good advice for you. It's the scripture tells you. When you know the end is near, it's going to impact how you pray and it's going to impact how you love. Now, let me make sure you, you capture love fervently cor- correctly because fervently sounds like an emotional word, like fervently, like love like you really mean it, like you feel it, like, you, like it comes from the, the depths of your soul. But that's actually not what it's talking about. Love fervently is not an emotional word. It's love fervently. It's a stretching word. In other words, let your love stretch beyond maybe where it is. Let your love stretch to the fullest. And I think he articulates for us where it needs to stretch, where maybe it hasn't stretched. First, that my love would stretch it, it would extend greater forgiveness and grace. Love covers a multitude of sins. So, what do I believe? (laughs) Believe the end is near. If I believe the end is near, then I'm going to refuse to, as much as possible with me, Allow brokenness to remain relationally. Life is too short to hold a grudge for believers. See, as, as children of God, uh, we continue to say, as ones who have received forgiveness, one of the most profound expressions of our love is that as we have received forgiveness, we forgive others and we're gracious in other words we don't only forgive sin we don't make a big deal about every sin it covers over we're gracious we're not saying it's not sin it is (laughs) but we're gracious and forgiving so this might be uh This might be such an important thing for you in this coming year. That underneath what you would pray about if you only had a week left, you would write down, who do I need to forgive? So that I don't go to my grave. So that the end doesn't come with me having bitterness in my heart. So mom or a dad a sibling, a son or a daughter, a spouse, a boss, 
someone in your past. It is so easy to get comfortable with living in brokenness. And I'm simply, hopefully you're seeing from the scripture that says when we see time for what it really is, it gives us perspective to say, let's not live in brokenness any longer. It's love, graciously, forgivingly. And second, what do he say? What verse nine say? Be hospitable. Is that an expression of love? Yes, yes, I can never emphasize enough for us as the people of God that one of the practical expressions is that our love stretches beyond those who we already know, the people we're already comfortable with, that what is profound about us, hopefully as the people of God, is that our love stretches beyond those that we know to those that we don't know yet. Biblical hospitality recognizes that my love will extend to strangers. The funny thing about that is, is when that happens, they're not strangers any longer. That it would be our goal because we believe what the end is near, that we would be all the more extending, stretching towards one another, that there would never be a sense within the body of Christ that there are those who are in and those who are out, that there would be never true in the body of Christ, that people would feel like there was no place for me, that there are those that, that really have close relationship, but I was always on the fringe, that we would be people who live with, a, with our disposition where our shoulder is not turned in but turned out. The simple expression that you do in any conversation when you're talking and somebody walks up that you don't turn your shoulder away from but you turn their shoulder to them, that you, you physically welcome them in. Oh, that's just trite. No, that's, that's a beginning expression of how we love. Because we were enemies and God demonstrated his love for us. So we, we always turn outward and we stretch and we welcome. If life is too short for grudges, life is too short for clicks, for circles that exclude, that we would be inclusive toward strangers love fervently anybody you need to stretch towards just like anything you need to start praying for any anybody you need to stretch towards in forgiveness in grace in hospitality the end is near and if we go through 2021 without stretching in those two ways, 
without praying any differently. It just, it just reveals what? I don't believe that the end is near. Timing changes my perspective. Third, as each one has received a special gift, employ it. If you have been given a gift from God, what should you do? <laughs> Give it a job. Employ it. In serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, if you have been a recipient, listen, listen. If you have been a recipient of grace, you've also been a recipient of a gift. In other words, if you have been a recipient of God's grace to take you from an enemy of God to a friend of God, that you have received God's grace and you have been forgiven and made one with him, when he made you one with him, he also gifted you. And when you receive the forgiveness and the gift, but don't utilize the gift, you're wasting the grace. See, so we are stewards of God's grace. In other words, not that we keep it, but that we pass it along. We pass it along as we serve. He gives two expressions of how you might serve one another. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Paul's right there, would you? Is it not your expectation that when you participate in a worship service, that you expect that you would hear from God? That is... That, that is a correct expectation. See, if you expect to show up, uh, uh, to tune in, and then hear my thoughts, my wisdom, my ideas, my counsel, that's a bad plan. You should have every expectation that as I speak, you would be hearing from God. It's the weight by which I engage in speaking and it's the weight by which I hope you would engage in listening. Because if it's just me, it's pretty easy to walk to the car and go, yeah. But if it's the Lord, then we don't, we don't walk to the car and go, eh. Then we walk to the car and go, yes, Lord. My prayers are impacted. You said the end is near. Yes, Lord. I'm going to forgive. You've spoken. Yes, Lord. I'm going to stretch beyond my usual to people outside my circle. Why? It's the end is near and there's no time for just this little click. See, I want you to know that it is my expectation that you would hear the very utterances of God. 
inspired so that Peter wrote them down and speaking to you, hopefully, through this instrument, you hearing from the Lord. Bringing encouragement or strength or wisdom or conviction that you would hear and respond from the Lord. Whoever speaks, do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Oh, and by the way, there's, this is the smallest amount of speaking that happens in life. Does that include your conversation one-on-one with somebody? Yeah, don't think just this environment. I want it to be just as true one-on-one that whoever speaks, let it be the utterances of God. Whoever serves, do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. I love that. Not serving according to my strength, not serving according to what I can do, not serving according to as long as I can do it, but serving according to the strength which he has given as he continues to give it. So, speaking utterances of God, serving strength of God. Why? So that in all things, he'd be glorified because it's his strength and his words. Through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. The end is near, yes or no? Yes, yes, the end is near, yes. Therefore what? Let's pray with what really matters. And that's love. The love that stretches beyond normal. And let's serve supernaturally. Observation for Christian Family Chapel. You were unbelievably generous in 2020. Big thanks. I said it last week. Let me say it again. Thank you for how you've invested. Our generosity increased, but our service decreased. Social distancing has made serving a a unique challenge in our day. But never in our history, I've been here over 30 years, have I seen so few people willing to serve as we did in the past six to nine months of 2020. And I know there's new fresh challenges with how do I do this responsibly? But we've never had struggles like we had this year every single week and people willing to watch babies and people willing to teach children. Our junior high workers, our senior high volunteers cruised right along. Our nursery and children's workers Just telling you like it is, friends. 
And so, can I ask you? Maybe it's time. Time to go. I can serve, I can help. I'll share in that way. Maybe a new trust in the Lord for you. But Mary in our nursery, Becky in our children's ministry, every single week trying to recruit people to help for this Sunday, just asking that that would change. Not out of guilt, out of a response to what the scripture says to us. Now there's lots of different ways to serve. Don't, don't misunderstand. There's all sorts of gifts represented in the body of Christ that goes beyond nursery and children. And so if, if that's not your deal, then there's other places to serve. If you're not sure who they are, what they are, just send us an email. We'll be glad to help you identify your gift with how you can steward it in the body of Christ. But we need help in nursing children. And let's not, let's not in 2021 waste the grace of God given to us. It was a wacky 2020. You ever have a sense that you kind of missed a big part part of the year? I do. It's like, oh, it's like we missed that whole section, especially like April, May, and June. And once you've wasted for a while, that can kind of become a pattern. And I want us to focus in on what it said there in verse 10. Stewards of the manifold grace of God. Stewards don't waste grace. They receive it and they pass it along through how they serve. So I hope our 2020 lack of serving will turn into all sorts of new serving in 2021. I want us to, as stewards of grace, remember God's grace to us. Because ultimately, friends, when we gather for worship, we begin with Jesus, <laughs> we talk about Jesus, and we end with Jesus, right? It's all about him to the glory of God. So let me invite you, if you're here on campus, do the mechanical work of the thin layer on top, grabbing the wafer and then the foil next so you can have the juice available. If you're at home, if you would, take a moment, grab some elements. Why do we always come back to Jesus? Because this is the love of God and the grace of God demonstrated to us. See, we don't, we don't do the things we do. We don't pray the things we pray and love the people we love or serve the way we serve in order to pay God back. Because we can't. 
we do it, we pray and love and serve because we have received God's grace and we don't want it to stop with us. And so these elements, this wafer is a reminder of the body of Christ broken for us. This cup, a reminder of the blood of Jesus shed so that we who are guilty would be forgiven. That we deserve the wrath of God, but Jesus stepped in and took all the wrath on our behalf. And it's what we believe about God and what we believe about Jesus that makes all the difference. So let me read for you something written 320 years ago on New Year's Day by Matthew Henry. Being more and more confirmed in my belief, the being and attributes of God, the mediation of the Lord Jesus Christ between God and man, and of the reality and weight of invisible things, and being more and more satisfied that this is the true grace of God wherein I stand, I do solemnly resign and give up my whole self to God in Jesus Christ. I commit my soul and all the concerns of my spiritual state to the grace of God and to the word of his grace, subjecting myself to the conduct and government of the blessed spirit and to his influence and operations, which I earnestly desire and depend upon for the mortifying of my corruptions, the strengthening of my graces, the furnishing me for every good word and work, and the ripening of me for heaven. I commit my body and all the concerns of my outward condition to the providence of God to be ordered and disposed by the wisdom and will of my heavenly father. Not knowing the things which may befall me this year, I refer myself to God. Whether it shall be my dying year or no, I know not. But it is my earnest expectation and hope that the Lord Jesus Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or death, by health or sickness, by plenty or poverty, by liberty or restraint, by preaching or silence, by conflict or sorrow. Welcome, welcome. The will of God, whatever it be. Friends, that was the Lord Jesus, who we are remembering. Welcome, welcome, the will of God, whatever it be. When we take these elements, we are remembering that we are fully convinced in him. And therefore, we refer ourselves to him. And between now and when the end 
comes, ripen us for heaven. Welcome, welcome, his will, would you take with me? Father in heaven, uh, thanks for perspective, we need it. For a reminder of what matters. People, you, love, forgiveness, and grace. We do present ourselves to you in this moment, believing that you're good. Because really, Lord, all perspective, true perspective, begins with seeing you for who you are. Because when we see you accurately, Lord, then, Lord, then we'll know how to live. Would you join as we declare in song a true reflection of who God really is.